believing that they are out there. Because I think so often it's so easy to believe that what you want is so insanely impossible that how could they ever exist or be available or be available to you and your business at, you know, whatever you can afford or whatever they're willing to pay, et cetera, et cetera. I have had the privilege of sharing businesses with some really wonderful humans, but I just want to make the point that no matter how well you choose your partner and how great that person is in the long term, conflict is not an if, but a when. of partnership has been coming up among my peers a lot lately, so I popped it into the editorial calendar a few months ago. And then funny enough, (laughs) it's just become incredibly present and relevant to me right now because I just bought ownership back from one of the businesses that I shared with a 50-50 partner for the last seven-ish or so years. So I have a lot of fresh thoughts and feelings going into this episode. And what I had intended to share here feels even more important and true, having literally just negotiated and closed that purchase start to finish in like seven days, (laughs) which is not normal, by the way, Uh, but I'll share a little bit more on that later. For now, let's dive in. I wanted to bring the topic of partnership to this show because people ask me about it a lot. I have a lot of friends who are founders who run their big and small businesses on their own, and they ask me a lot about whether or not having a business partner is better. And my answer is pretty much always the same. Is it better to be married or single? Right? They both have perks and everyone is going to have a different answer. So Honestly, I think it does really depend on your personality style. I think it really matters what feels easy to you and what feels hard. Also, how you want to be spending your time and energy and how you don't. But at the end of the day, I guess just like marriage, really, business partnership really does come down to two things, in my opinion, chemistry and compromise. So let's look at the best case scenario, right? You find someone who is a perfect fit for you and your business, not just in character, but in their goals, how they learn and work, their day-to-day behavior. They share your sense of humor and they make you feel safe, but also adventurous and help you become the best version of you. They're loyal, full of integrity, and all the wonderful things you are happy to be associated with. So the way they are in the real world reflects you in a way that you're proud of. Worst case, when you stumble on maybe some tough times, you learn who that person really is. And when the future is uncertain, when stress is high and resources are low, people often show up at their worst. And really, you need to be functional with that version of them as well and vice versa. And this is when partnership is really tested, when you and your partner have choices about how you're going to show up and what you're going to tolerate and how deep you'll dig and basically how much either or both of you want to work to keep the boat afloat and to keep the partnership intact. 
in life, personally, I somehow managed to hold out for the man of my dreams. <laughs> I didn't know he was out there and I didn't know he was coming, but I did believe that I deserved him, which in and of itself was a major task, something worth exploring in the partnership conversation as well. And I couldn't have designed a better partner to co-create the big and sunny and joy and freedom-filled vision that I've held really close and worked towards my entire life. I really, I lucked out. But I was also really discerning. I held out not just for someone who was good on paper or the one with all the chemistry but no life compatibility. I believed it was possible to have it all. And luckily, it found me. And I think you have to go into, you know, anyone in your business the same way that sort of defining who that perfect person is and believing that they are out there. Because I think so often it's so easy to believe that what you want is so insanely impossible that how could they ever exist or be available or be available to you and your business at whatever you can afford or whatever they're willing to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Personally, in business, I've had a lot of partners. By nature, I'm a really collaborative person, and I love getting excited and inspired with other clever people. So I've naturally gravitated towards collaborations and partnerships, and I have had the privilege of sharing businesses with some really wonderful humans. But I just want to make the point that no matter how well you choose your partner and how great that person is in the long term... Conflict is not an if, but a when. For me, the first time I learned this lesson was only a few weeks into my first business partnership when I was like 22 years old. <laughs> and I had jumped into business with a woman who basically I got my dog from. I had a Great Dane puppy. She was like a puppy. And I had stumbled upon her. And the woman who had her brother, Hooch, my dog was Olivia. Her dog was Hooch, ended up being someone I stumbled into business with. And we immediately went into a trademark licensing partnership with a third brand who we were buying a bunch of retail products from. We were opening up a retail location and a photo studio because I was a pet photographer and designer and I did commercial and private pet photography. And it was the very, very, very beginning of that. And only a couple of weeks into that partnership, we had a huge conflict. And actually, it wasn't with each other. It was with the third party that we had entered into the contract with. We'd paid them like $50,000, I think. I don't remember the exact amount now. To provide us with goods for our store. And on the day we were supposed to be having our grand opening, we had zero product. And they were not responding to our emails. And it was clear they were just a mess. So we filed a lawsuit. <laughs> Instead of popping our champagne for our grand opening, we filed a lawsuit against them, which took like four years. It was a long, 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 painful road. And we did in, in the end win, but it didn't really matter because they filed bankruptcy and blah, blah, etc. The weight of that was significant both energetically and like financially, of course. And it took me years to recover from that. So I feel like that's worst case scenario. <laughs> but it's not just the big, scary legal conflicts that are hard. 
I've navigated plenty of sticky situations over and over in the partnerships that I've had because that's real life. And sometimes we've worked through it and we've been stronger for it. And sometimes we haven't. But every time I look back, it definitely feels like what happened worked out exactly as it should have. And I'm in a better place for it. So the first point that I wanted to make is that you shouldn't avoid partnership just because you're afraid of conflict because it will definitely happen and you will survive. <laughs> and also just to acknowledge that like marriages, not all partnerships are meant to last forever. Despite that happily ever after fairy tale we're sold as kids, it is okay to outgrow people. It's okay. <laughs> but I do want you to know that like 99% of conflicts you'll experience in a partnership are not killers. A rough patch doesn't necessarily mean it's over. It just means that you're in a growth phase. And that's a really good thing because it means you're cracking open your potential for greater freedom, a stronger bond or greater success. So how is the best way to be in a partnership? Personally, I think the best thing you can do is try to be slightly uncomfortably honest, really compassionate, collaborative. And focus not just on yourself, but what you love and respect about your partner. Because you really need to co-create the right steps for both of you from a place of empathy and a shared vision. And you obviously need to find someone who's willing to do all those things as well. But if you don't share a vision anymore, if you outgrow each other, then that's when you might need to get into some practical conversations about next steps. And those next steps don't necessarily include each other. And that's fine. You know, back to the marriage analogy, not all divorces are messy. Plenty of people part ways really amicably without it getting petty and ugly. And what's really funny is when I put my notes together for this episode, I was actively involved in running three businesses, and two of them were 50-50 partnerships with remarkable, talented, delightful women who I sometimes refer to as my work wives. <laughs> but in the last couple of weeks, that's changed from three businesses to two because I purchased the shares from one of my partners. And my UK consulting business actually acquired the US business that we shared. And this negotiation and sale was really quick, but we had spent the last like six to eight months working through some really difficult questions, some differences in opinion and beliefs around what the next best steps were for the business and for ourselves personally. So, you know, when it actually got to the point where we made a decision, we actually managed to get through that really quickly because we had a written agreement about what would happen in this case. We pretty much agreed quickly on the valuation of the business. And the reality was I wanted to stay and she wanted to go because she's got other stuff to do. And she's moving into a position of being semi-retired and she has two wonderful kids that she wants to focus on. And that's cool. And I've been in that position before where I was the person who wanted to leave when I moved to the UK to do a master's degree and be with this great man that I was just describing before who turned out to be my husband and the father of my children and a wonderful life partner. But I had to take a leap of faith to move from California to London in order to explore that possibility. And it did require me selling most of my shares in um, one of the businesses that I had in the U.S. So, you know, I think the key in these situations is everybody wants to win. 
right? But everyone also wants to be happier on the other side. And there's, I believe there's always a path for that. And in the case of my partner, Jane, whose ownership I just purchased from our U.S. company working with Dog, I'm really excited to see what she gets up to over the next seven years. And that's the sort of funny thing is that (laughs) sort of like marriages, these partnerships, they seem to have this seven-year itch. Have you heard about this? (laughs) Well, I looked it up because I've heard this and I wanted to know if it was real and It's funny because two of my more significant partnerships lasted around seven years before we decided to part ways. And there's rumors that this sort of seven-year itch exists in marriages. Well, what I discovered is that the term actually comes from a Marilyn Monroe film. (laughs) And there is some debate as to whether it's real or a total pile of BS. But clinical psychologist Dr. Borland says that there is some truth to it. And he explains that while research outcomes very slightly, the percentage of divorces, particularly in first-time marriages, tends to spike around the seven or eight-year mark. Hmm. Also, if you look up seven years, there seems to be some interesting sort of planetary astrological stuff that seems to happen in a seven-year cycle. So I wonder if that's playing out in our need for change. Don't know. And of course, you know, when you've been with someone in a marriage or a partnership for a while and you know, the communication gets tricky or you're struggling to have empathy for each other or you're getting this sort of uncomfortable distance or your stresses are compounded by pressures in the business or in the family dealing with money and, you know, potentially having divergent values, beliefs. And, you know, we've seen that certainly in America where families, partners, all kinds of relationships have broken down just due to politics and like different religious beliefs because of how divisive it's been there. And that is real. And that happens. I can say in my marriage, (laughs) I've been married for just about 10 years. Next year is our 10 year reunion. And we have a couple of kids. um, And we've, you know, remodeled a couple of houses and moved and I moved countries and we both started businesses and lost businesses and started new businesses in the time that we've been together. So like, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. So I'm like, I'm feeling good and confident. Like our marriage is on track. We passed that seven year itch. But yeah, I wonder if there is that sort of natural cycle that happens where people just seek major change or adjustment in that period. So What the experts advise to get through that period, whether it's at seven years or not, is a few things that seem pretty universal. And they're pretty obvious, but I just want to go over them because I think this is stuff to consider if you're considering entering a partnership or if you're currently navigating one. Working on communication, right? This is probably really obvious, but also really tricky. And it does require both of you to do the work. One of the things, in addition to communication, that I think doesn't get talked about enough is is rebuilding trust, because there seems to be, especially when communication isn't great, there seems to be a lot of unsaid stuff that starts to bubble and fester, and it starts to kind of pull people away from each other, especially if it's not getting talked about. So if you are finding distance with your partner or if this is something you worry about, you know, the period of rebuilding trust is really important to be able to back that person again. Also, there's some work here to analyze your own expectations and assumptions, because that, again, some more of that unspoken stuff is it's very likely that, you know, what we're assuming or expecting of each other is just unrealistic. And 
if we want to be treated with empathy and compassion, then we need to do the same. <laughs> and that requires analyzing what it is that we actually expect and think and assume just to check ourselves that we're not, you know, making life harder than it needs to be. Because in a partnership, you're both part of the problem, right? And you're both part of the solution. It, it's not just the other person. Just like a marriage, I think spending more time together, one of the things that was true early on in my partnerships is we got to spend a lot of time together and then there was more distance. Certainly, you know, COVID, the pandemic made this really challenging if you're used to being able to spend time in person, but you live in different places and you're not getting together for those you know, quarterly, biannual, annual meetups to connect on strategy and just connect as humans. Or even if, you know, you're not having regular FaceTime at all, I think that does allow some distance to develop. And part of that is, you know, keeping the spark alive. It doesn't have to be sexual to be important, right? That spark is really, really important. Just remembering how much you like this person and why you got together in the first place and what it is that's so magical and special about them. And the other piece of this that I think is really interesting, which also crosses over between marriages and partnerships, is really looking at who else you're spending time with and how that might be impacting you, your behavior in the partnership, your expectations, etc. Because the people you spend time with have a, a huge impact on your thinking and your decision making. And I think it's important to analyze whether or not that is having you know, is if that's coloring or shading like your thoughts and opinions about this person that you're sharing a business with, if you're maybe suffering from a little bit of comparison and wondering why this person isn't like someone else, those things are all really important to look at. And, you know, when necessary, separating yourself from influences who are not helpful or not part of your positive growth. And possibly the most important is potentially seeing a professional. I think having outside opinions is probably one of the most important and useful things when you are navigating a partnership. And I really want to emphasize that because both my marriage and my business partnerships, I have sought out the outside expertise of professionals, counselors, mediators, advisors, all a very, very, very good idea if you've reached a place in the relationship or in a particular conflict or conversation that you just can't seem to move past or resolve on your own, right? You just end up talking in circles, getting really angry, like frustrated, nobody's seeing eye to eye. You know, getting that third party, getting that objective opinion, getting someone to just handle the conversation is so, so, so valuable. So definitely do not underestimate that. And that is not, I, I think there is a little bit of stigma around that being some sort of failure if you have to get help that you've somehow failed. And that is 100% not true. I would say get help from the beginning <laughs> to keep the partnership strong, right? Because it is really, really important to be able to have that communication. And if you struggle to do it on your own, sometimes having it facilitated by a third party is really useful. And it doesn't have to just be conflict resolution. It can also be, you know, coaches and strategists and advisors who can help you keep moving forward and the same direction and keep that conversation open about your individual expectations and goals so that at the point where maybe they change, it's really obvious. And then you can have that conversation. In all my partnerships, even the ones that haven't survived, I have gotten so much out of them. My self-awareness has grown. I've learned excellent boundaries. I've gotten much better at communicating, setting expectations up front, especially in writing. Please do not enter in any partnership without an operating agreement, partnership agreement, or something 
in writing that really clarifies all of this stuff because just working through that document and creating that document and the outcomes in case of maternity leave or death or disability, you know, these are all really important scenarios to work through because not only do you need to have that in case it happens, you don't want to be deciding that in the middle of it, but also it helps you really learn how to communicate tough stuff. And that's a really good test to see if you are in fact good partners. Because uh, if you can't get through the operating agreement, you're going to struggle to run a business. I've also been really honest, possibly to a fault. My communication style can be a little aggressive, I think. And I don't mean that in a way that I'm like aggressive. It's just that I am very, very honest. So A, I'm really wordy, which can be really challenging, especially when you get sucked into these email conversations, which is never a good idea. <laughs> and also I'm really honest. I I really choose, especially because of that first lawsuit that I have, I really choose honesty over being like smart and strategic because if I can't be honest in the partnership, if I can't say how I'm feeling and where I'm coming from and and really kind of try and work through those issues, it's not worth staying in for me. If I can't show up as the real me, if I have to pretend to be something or do any kind of like posturing, then I just I just don't. I just don't want to. It just takes too much energy. And this is why I am a terrible fit for any kind of corporate career, because I am so bad at playing the corporate game. Like, I just have no interest in it. So that's my position is to be really, really honest. I know strategically, that's not always the smartest thing. And there's certainly some great, you know, negotiation advice about getting other people to throw out the first number and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, good advice for great negotiating. But for me, I've always just led with transparency and honesty and tried to just keep my heart really open. Because I think, you know, that's part of my operating and integrity that's really important to me. I've also in that process really tried to choose generosity over getting sucked into long drawn out haggling. Some of this is because of that first experience with the lawsuit taking four years. I am definitely someone where if the if the writing's on the wall that this is going to end, that I'm like, okay, how do we do this quickly? And I've had two partnerships that ended very, very quickly and for me, the priority was how do we do this as quickly as possible, as fair as possible, with as little back and forth as possible? Because I think at the point where someone is decided that they want to go, then it's just a matter of loose ends and handover and money and contracts. And I don't think there's any benefit in dragging that out if there's any way to do it fast. So if that means needing to be extra generous, which I've certainly done in the past in terms of what I say yes to, then then I do that because my time and energy is so much more valuable. And again, I think that does come from a place of, you know, having spent those four years being drugged through a legal battle. And also <laughs> we won that legal battle and we were, you know, entitled to a whole bunch of money that we never got. So even when you win, you don't always win. So I like to just prioritize energy and time over money in some of those cases. So that's just my two cents. Everyone's got a different opinion. And I also, as a part of this whole conversation around what I've gotten out of partnerships, I've stopped signing up or committing to be anything that I'm not. So personally, I've really leaned into what I am and who I am. And I've gotten really good at spotting people who compliment that complement my skills and my values and who complete me, you know, who make me whole. And I think 
that is one of the most important things about partnership is trying not to go into partnership with someone who's exactly like you, because that is sort of a recipe for conflict and disaster, potentially, like really trying to go into business with people who you have shared, you know, goals, shared values with, but different skill sets. Um, someone you can communicate with really well, but who loves doing the stuff that you hate and vice versa. And I've had a few of those. I think pretty much all my partnerships actually have been really good in that regard of like really partnering with people who have opposite skill sets and like doing things that I don't like doing and vice versa. I think that's really powerful. And that's part of what makes partnership feel so good because you just can't believe that somebody else likes to do these things that you hate and they feel the same, which is great. And also, like I was saying with this idea of, you know, generosity over long drawn out haggling. I think learning to let go of things quicker that just clearly aren't vibing, whether that's a partnership or whether that's a product you're trying to build together. I mean, that has far reaching application. But I think that idea of like fail faster, fail forward. I know that's kind of wanky, but like (laughs) it's true. It is true. And being able to let go quicker instead of trying to drag things out, I think is really important. And, you know, one of the things I've learned is I'm probably not the easiest person to share a life and business with. I don't know if any of us are, but in particular, I have strong opinions. I have a lot of boundaries, which I have found can be really triggering, actually, to people who want to operate in a different way. Like, I've always really protected my work-life balance. I've always been anti-hustle, and I've always wanted to do things in a more organic, sustainable way. And for people who are on the hustle train, that is really like not a good fit. (laughs) Um, So I've definitely run into some issues there. But I also come with a lot of perks, right? Like I have an incredible skill set. I have a ton of experience. I have great energy and I'm really good at a lot of things. So for the right person who can put up with my strong opinions and my boundaries, (laughs) that's a really good fit, at least for a while, right? Because like I said, sometimes people outgrow each other and that is fine. So I think the big question I wanted to answer here because so many people keep asking me (laughs) is, do I recommend partnerships over going solo? And after nearly 20 years of entrepreneuring, which started with a partnership and has included many partnerships along the way and experiencing all kinds with all kinds of different people, collaborations, actual partnerships, joint ventures, some of which are still thriving and some of which have ended including one or two that ended quite painfully, I would say I am still definitely pro-partnership. I love the synergy and excitement of co-creating magic together. I love the relief of having someone who is all in with you. That feeling of being alone just disappears, and that is so nice. Having someone, as I've already mentioned, who loves to do the stuff that you hate is an unbelievable competitive advantage. It's such a superpower. I really think that that is such a powerful way to be competitive and, you know, see one and two, right? It feels really good to hand that stuff off and to have someone else who geeks out on it and loves it. And when partnership is good, it is the freaking best. It is so good. And when it's not good, there's always something to learn. There's always a way to improve. And usually it does work out for the best for everyone. So I would say, you know, even when it's bad, it's good. (laughs) And in particular, as I move towards continuing to try to create a life where I put joy first and I spend as much time as possible in my areas of genius and as little time as possible in other areas, 
Having great partners is a really, really important part of making that work. And as I've looked at business models of people I really admire, I'm noticing that one of their superpowers is being able to find great people and put them in the right positions, not just as employees, but as partners and as even replacements for themselves, I think is a really great skill for a savvy and growth-oriented CEO or founder. So I'm really curious, do you have a business partner? Do you wish you had one? Are you scared of letting go of control, but maybe you wish you had higher level help? I really want to invite you to think about like, what's the worst that could happen? Honestly, it's probably happened to me. So I'm happy to chat about it. Hit me up on Facebook or on Instagram. And like, I'm happy to chat about it with you because I think this is a really important conversation. And, you know, as we continue to move forward, collaboration and partnership, I think is a really interesting way for us to find those incremental advantages that help not only our business and our profitability, but also that joy first life, being able to have that freedom and lifestyle that we really, really want in a way where we don't feel like we're making major sacrifices in the business. I'll see you next time.